It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Brian Sprance is the head distiller at New Rip Distilling, and he's joining me today on Amy's Table because we're about to launch our whiskey, aren't we, Brian? Yes, we are. Very exciting. Oh, my God. Well, you know, you say publicly, very exciting. At home, when you go home at night, how do you feel? Is it kind of overwhelming to think about four years of work? Is It's been an, an incredible adventure. What, <clears throat> what four years feels like is, to me is like 75 years. It's been just such a long trip. But... It has. It has. So it's an interesting thing to note. You are our head distiller. You came to us at New Riff. You were very carefully recruited, and yet you'd never made bourbon before. Not a drop. So what were we thinking? Tell us about your background and why it is so perfect with distilling. Uh, My background was a brewer for 15 years. I was in the craft brewing industry. I actually spent close to a decade at our beloved Barrel House Brewing Company down on 12th Street and over the Rhine. Uh, and after that, I spent about six years at Boston Beer, Samuel Adams in Cincinnati. So I kind of had that spectrum of small brewery experience and big brewery experience. So it was kind of balancing, like, in my opinion, the art and science of brewing as to where I really understood. I, I learned and then understood how to work with brew houses, filtration, fermentation, especially um, at the smaller brewery. But when you go into the bigger breweries, it's more about managing processes. So I can make 2000 barrels of beer in a small brewery. That also translates to making a million barrels of beer in a big brewery. So it's kind of balancing art and science, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And that's a specialized couple of skills to have. Well, we were lucky to have, you know, our approach to creating our bourbon, creating our company has been high quality from day one. And we've really, you know, always strove to find the best equipment, people, et cetera. And Ken Lewis started with Larry Ebersold as our master distilling consultant. Mm-hmm. And so he is really the one that said, you got to find yourself a really talented brewmaster. And obviously what you've just described explains why you would be so perfect. But it's also kind of like serendipitous that we are this small, big, huge distillery or we're a big, huge, small distillery, right. and you know how to handle us on both sides of that. You know, like I said, a lot of what brewing is translates to distilling. A lot of upfront whiskey making is very similar to beer. You know, it starts with quality raw material selection, following that through milling and mashing. If you have proper uh, techniques in place all the way through fermentation, you should be in pretty good shape. But a lot of what you're doing in distillation is amplifying those flavors that you've created through mashing and especially fermentation. You're not necessarily creating flavors in distillation. You're just amplifying them. So Shining a light. What we really aim for is consistency within our mashing and milling processes, but really the magic of fermentation. You know, we subscribe to the open fermentation, really the Kentucky Regimen, right. which is open fermentation. We sour mash. We use a column still. We use a doubler. So a lot of what we do with open fermentation, we like to call it controlled chaos. You know, in brewing, it's a very sanitary process. Closed tanks, everything's cleaned every day, every hour. If a beer touches a line, you clean it immediately afterwards. Kind of in a distillery, you embrace the funkiness of yeah, what your environment is. Funk. You know, you, there there is a lot of uh, truth to like the flora and fauna and the terroir of really geographically where you are making whiskey. So not only do we have the alluvial aquifer that we're pulling water out of that is very unique to our distillery. You know, it's very hard water, but it also has all those key nutrients that yeast really love, like calcium, magnesium, 
all the things that like destroy distillery pipes are all the things that like <laughs> our favorite little uh, microorganism yeast loves. So there's a tremendous amount of flavor in that water, but also it starts with those raw material selections and really getting the best ingredients you can. We run a very interesting fermentation regimen as well. We let things free rise all the way to 90. So fermentation in a nutshell, the cooler a fermentation is, the less fermentation character you're going to get out of it as in fruity flavors. If you ferment something like an American lager at like 60 degrees or below, it's going to be a very crisp, clean beer. An IPA, for example, you ferment at a little bit higher temperature. If you guys are familiar with Belgian beers, they ferment all the way up to almost 90 degrees. When you get up into those 90 degree ranges, that's where you create a lot of these really wild, fruity, what they're called esters. And that's really what we aim for. We go from 68, and we let it free rise all the way to 90. So we go through all of these stages of different flavor development with the yeast and what the yeast are metabolizing and creating. One other thing is with open fermentation, we're also embracing a lot of like what we call the funky uh, fermentation, you know, very familiar to, you know, you walk into a Belgian brewery and you see open fermenters. That's really, we let the yeast do its job, but we also encourage everything outside, whether it be, you know, bacteria Wild yeast. I know it sounds gross and a lot of people call it contamination, but in the long run, what we're trying to do is create alcohol, those esters, those fruity flavors that we're creating through the uh, fermentation regimen, but also these bacteria like to create what are called organic acids. And that's a lot of the magic that you're carrying forward into a barrel. So when you take those alcohols and those organic acids and they combine, you create different kinds of esters as well. So that's where a lot more of the flavor development of an actual bourbon comes from in a barrel. Interesting. Well, so can we back it up to somebody who, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people since I've been working in the bourbon business have been like, well, I just always sort of thought about it. It existed in the bottle. <laughs> like, how did it get there? So let's start at the very beginning. You bring in the high quality grains. When the trucks come up, you literally grab a handful of grain and inspect it, don't you? Yep. And that's after the farmers inspected it. Yeah, so we have a uh, pretty rigorous standards for quality. You know, our farmer also works with several other distilleries. Um, so he has a long history of just really bringing very high quality non-GMO grains. He has his own lab. He does his own testing. So we're 95% confident that we're getting good grains delivered to the distillery. But when they actually arrive at the distillery, we actually go and sample. We do a lot of sensory work on it. We check for moisture. Uh, we smell for all flavors. We actually just put like our corn on our rye in a simple microwave and heat it up for 30 seconds just to kind of smell for, you're looking for sure. mold, you're looking for must, you're looking for basically the freshest ingredients and our farmer is, has done an excellent job on that. And then the grains themselves are our mash bill. Mm -hmm. And so we are rye centric. We're 65% mm -hmm. corn, 30% rye, 5% malted barley. Right. Those come into the building through silos. Mm -hmm. You can't put them in the whole grain now, can you? So you're no. grinding them. And we use a different kind of grinder than many places. Talk quickly about that. We do. A lot of uh, bigger distilleries use what are called roller, or uh, sorry, uh, hammer, hammer mills. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what that does is really it pulverizes the grain and exposes all the starch. We wanted to have a lot more flexibility in the grains that we were going to use. We knew we weren't just going to stick to bourbon and rye, so we wanted the flexibility. So we use what's called a roller mill, which is much more prevalent in uh, breweries. It allows you to adjust grinds. You can tighten. You can go coarse. You know, you can go as fine as you want, but that also allows us on the back end to do different whiskeys. We make 100% malted rye whiskey. We don't want to apply the same grind to a malted grain that we do a corn 
we don't have the same grind on the corn and the rye. So we're able to dial in our mill to get exactly the mill and the grind that we're looking for out of our grains. And it just allows a lot of flexibility and really the whiskeys that we're able to, to, to produce create. in the roof. So then the um, grains come into the cooker, mm-hmm. and that's when that magical water you were talking about yep. comes along. We have an alluvial aquifer right out in our parking lot, 100 feet down, and they talk about all that limestone water being so important. Our water comes down over the limestone in the hills, filtered by sand, but it comes out at a very important temperature. It does. It comes out at 58 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's also a steady pH of 7 year-round. So 7 pH is basically neutral. So not only do we use all of our water for mashing, uh, incorporating the flavors of the water into our whiskeys, we also use it for all what we call non-contact cooling water. So we're an extremely green distillery as well. We, we're able to pull about 600 gallons of water out of the ground per minute. A lot of that is cooled. We cool our fermenters. We cool our condensers in our stillhouse. But all of that is just redirected back. We cool it down with a little bit of uh, municipal city water, and we back blend it, and it goes back into the creek behind what the party sources and that immediately feeds right back in. So you kind of have that 360 effect yeah, of bringing amazing. the water in, using it. Which it's very energy efficient. You know, I was just doing part of the bourbon trail and it was a lot of fun. And we went to Four Roses and they were beginning their shutdown for the mm-hmm. season because it's so hot and they would have to cool all of their equipment. And it's just not energy efficient or financially feasible to do that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that our natural water comes right out of the ground and allows us to keep cool year round is kind of amazing. Right. So you talk about the mash bill, your mashing. We use sour mash. Mm-hmm. And tell a little bit about how that happens in the process. Sour mash is a pretty traditional Kentucky style of whiskey making. So it's kind of the beginning and the end of the whiskey making process. So what sour mashing is in a nutshell is you take your foundation water, which is our well water, and you take a piece of the previous distillation. Um, so as the still is running, we're pumping mash into it. We're distilling the alcohols off, and we're bringing it back into what we call a stillage tank. But on the way to the stillage tank, it runs over a little screen. We screen out all the grain so that we just have this very acidic back set. Water is 7. Our pH is 3.5. We combine those two, and it's a pH of 5, which is ideal for mashing. It's also, in our opinion, a very big flavor source up front. We have sweet mashed. It's just not for us. We just, we were trained on sour mash and, you know, we kind of thumped the yeah. Bible of, we believe that it is just another contributor of flavor to our whiskey. Well, and bakers that are listening understand about sourdough and some of the breads right, that you get that have that like great. That. So then here's the other kind of fun green thing we do is we send our, our stillage after the the they've been used the grains mm-hmm. separate into thicks and thins and you send those thicks off to the cows at Kentucky right they love it they do love it they so. absolutely love it happy cows mm-hmm. well so then we go through the distilling process and and people can find out more about that by coming to New Rift Distilling for a tour our tours are a lot of fun um, or you can come and see Brian at his Inside the Lab series <laughs> you got to check the website for that but. Brian, thank you so much. What an exciting time. I I know I have been lucky enough to taste this bourbon, and it is fantastic. Our nerves are becoming less frayed by the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for thank joining you, me Amy. today. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q.